The Dad presents Episode 10, Bob Schneider. It all starts right now. Well, if I spell it out, if I get it out, will you hear me when I tell you about what I have to say before it gets too late? Snyder's as I said it'd be, but there's something right about you and me, something right about you and me. She, like, went down a dark road. I mean, she was doing all kinds of, like, weird... You mean anal? Like, no, no. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> sorry. Hello and welcome to The Dad Presents episode number 10. This is B. We got Maddie. We're excited, folks. Uh, we're just going to get right into it. We have Bob Schneider on the show, everybody. Bob Schneider's on the show. Um, we're not going to go into formats. We're going to just let Maddie intro him because we're scared we might lose him. So, Maddie, take it away. All right, party people. We've been giving you a lot of great guests recently, and today we've got a real treat for you. We've got the Swiss Army Knife of Musicians, the Prince of Austin, <laughs> motherfucking Bob Schneider. Ooh. How you doing, Bob? I'm good. What's going on? What are we Everybody's doing here? Good. And are you comfortable with that motherfucking thing because we just met? Are you, you good with that? Uh, am I cool with fucking people's mothers? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Are you, are you, are, am I down? Am I DTMF? Uh, no, probably <laughs> Sounds not. Sounds like he is. Well, yeah, right, I mean, I guess my wife is a mother, so yeah, I guess I am DTMF. There actually, you go. Now that, but just mine. You're, yeah, I got you. Just yours. Yeah. Just, you're my, just my, <laughs> no, when I say my mother, I mean my actual biological we, mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not DTF. All right, man. <laughs> so, uh, B, what's going on with you? How you doing? I'm um, good. I don't. It's, I mean, you guys are the ones that like started right off with the motherfuckers. I don't know where you guys want to go or how how far you want to go, but I'll go all the way to the edge and then jump oh, we, off with we, you guys into the into yeah. The black we have no beyond. boundaries, no, and no, we're, we're and we're not decent people. So you you let out whatever you want to let out. I am a decent person, by the way. In case you're wondering, <laughs> I am decent. I I will just go to the edge and I will jump off, but I'm I'm still a decent pe- person who yeah I yeah enjoy, yeah well I'm, you know I'm, I'm not some I'm not a serial killer, but I say all kinds of crazy shit. Well, it's good we've eliminated serial killer. Yes. The reason <laughs> or, I introduced you as the Swiss Army knife is you know I've I've seen you many times live and you just somewhat refuse to be put into a genre like your shows are they're phenomenal you're you're you'll be doing a rock song then you're doing a country song next thing you're rapping then you're doing some singer songwriter stuff then some straight up country with like batman or something then you you finish with salsa with tarantula like my question is when you signed with universal for lonely land were they like trying to push you into a corner with some kind of category or did they just let you be bob well, I'd already recorded the record um, when I signed with Universal, so they kind of knew what they were getting into um, with me. Okay. And yeah, uh, yeah so they kind of knew they they knew what it was. Um, what what happened was I, I recorded the record uh, on my own and then put it out on my own. And uh, I there's a record store here in Austin called Waterloo Records. Yeah, and I just took a box of CDs down there. This was in '99, then in '99, maybe December '99, and uh, for the next year, I just started selling a bunch of records out of Waterloo. In fact, I've sold more records at Waterloo Records than any other artist 
in the history wow. of that uh, store. So wow. I've sold more Lonely Land records, Bob Schneider Lonely Land records, than they sold Dark Side of the Moon records. No shit. It's wow. Pr- yeah. That's ridiculous. The, the problem is, the, 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 the one problem is I was only selling it out of one store. I didn't take the record to any other stores, so it's not Oh, that was the only cool spot you could sounds. get it. <laughs> That's the only place you could get it, yeah, so... Speaking of Austin, um, you, you you were born in Michigan. You've been in Austin a long, long time. I was just down there for the ACL Festival, which is amazing. And coming from a, from uh, Los Angeles, the one thing that caught me off guard a little bit is like how nice everybody is. Like it, I had about three interactions where I was positive dudes were trying to have sex with me before I figured out that they were just like sweethearts. And they are sweethearts, but they were also trying to have sex with you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my, my ass is my finest quality, so maybe. But what makes people so so nice down there, so chill? Or is it just well, that we're assholes here? It's because it's in Texas, and people in Texas are super, super friendly. Um, uh, maybe not so much when you get into Houston and Dallas, just because those are such big cities. Okay. But any... Uh, any small town in Texas, people are just going to be nice. They're going to be really nice unless you're a stranger and you're walking on the property. In that case, they're right. going to shoot you <laughs> in your face and kill you and call right, the cops right. and say, I had to shoot this guy because I didn't know him. But if you're just <laughs> walking down the street in Texas anywhere um, that's kind of a small town, people are just nice. They just that's just the Texas way. In fact, the the license plate I think says the friendly state. And so Austin, even though it's kind of grown over the last twenty years quite a bit because of there's a big tech boom in the early nineties and then just people started hearing about Austin and just started moving here in droves. Right. So it's, it's like it's, the, it's the hip place it, to be now. Yeah, it's yeah. grown, but at, at its core, it's kind of a small town, um, and it has that small town vibe. And so, people yeah, are man. Nice. I mean, going and out really, after the festival at night, we were, were like going country line dancing and like mm-hmm. just just some things I never imagined I'd ever do. It was, it was a really cool place. Well, the yeah. thing about Austin that I really like is that it is such a mix of different types of people. I mean. There's all kinds of genres of music that are popular here. There's just all kinds of, you know, there's just a big mix of lots of different types of people. There's really conservative folks and liberals and and uh, uh, just there's, you know, like obviously it's the the capital of Texas. So you got that big government component and then you've got like a big music scene. You've got a big tech scene. Um, and, uh, it's just basically people are like, yeah, whatever you want to do is fine. You want to do that? That's fine. You're cool. Um, you know, you want to wear a cowboy hat. Great. You want to be a hippie? Great. And everybody kind of gets along. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 And it's a great place to make music, um, because, because of that attitude of like, yeah, we're open to whatever you got. Now I will say this, it has changed a lot. I moved here in like 89 or eight, maybe the beginning of 89 or maybe it was in 88, whenever it was, when I moved here, it was super cheap to live here. I had like 300 bucks in my pocket. Um, and I was able to move into a place like right near campus. Right. And, uh, and, and, uh, so you could play music, 
work a little bit enough to pay your rent and then the rest of the time just you know party and and write songs and play music and that those days are gone it's really yeah. one of the most expensive cities in the country now to live in yeah yeah well i mean when some place gets cool you know somehow austin became super cool and a lot of people from la are moving down there that's going to cause that yeah and and bob just to go more on your sound and i, I you know I did the lazy man research on you, and then I did like the full deep scrub. But on the lazy man research, you go to Wikipedia, right? That's the first thing you do. And so, what they say is you have acoustic based songs with electronic beats and noises <laughs> in the background. I felt offended. I wanted to stand up for you. They're calling it, it sounded like they're calling your stuff noise. And I was like, no, that's not quite what it is. But it was just humorous to me that they referred to it as noises. What, what do you feel about that description of your music? I love it, actually. As soon as you said it, I'm like, man, I like that description. <laughs> sure. No. Yeah. Do you have, I mean, un- unlike B, I'm, I'm a fan. I didn't need to do a deep dive. I, I, I've been in there. Now, do you have a, a, a genre that you prefer? Because you do everything. Is there, is there one that you gravitate towards? Or do you just, like, whatever comes over you, you just write that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not a I'm not I'm not a racist when it comes to genres. <laughs> so so yeah, I'm so happy I, to hear that. <laughs> but I I will say this. I mean, like people are like I'm down with like reggae or whatever and I'm like, are you really down with reggae because there's a lot of bad reggae. Yeah. I'm like, are you down with country? Yeah, I'm down with country, but check it out. Most of it's really bad. And when I say most of it, I mean like that's every genre. Every genre, yeah. most of it's bad. And then That's you got a say, few yeah. people that are making great music in every genre. So right. I, I'm not really married to anything in particular. I just like good songs. And good songs come in every genre. Well, mm-hmm. apparently they do, and, and, and you're proving that. It's, it's awesome. Um, you know, I, I heard you on another podcast talking about the, the poetry machine. And I'm just wondering, like, how that came about, and if any of um, any of our hits uh, of your hit songs that we're familiar with, did they come out of this poetry machine? Um, I don't think so. Not really. They they really are two different sorts of. Um, they're two different things. They they hardly ever intersect. Occasionally, uh, if I've got to write a poem and I wrote a song that week, that's kind of has poetic elements in it, or maybe it's got a good line or something. I might take a line from that and, and work it into a poem, but they're really, they're kind of two different things. Like if you were to just read some, um, some lyrics from a song, uh, it would not make a good poem. Most of the time it sounds, it would sound really antiquated and kind of corny. Um, and so poems are, uh, you kind of need the music to make the lyrics uh, make more sense, like you're missing a huge component if you don't have the music gotcha. and you're just reading the lyrics. Whereas, the, so with you're the saying poetry, the, lyric, the lyrics wouldn't make good poems, right? The poetry yeah. uh, can be more of a like the way I do it. It's more of like a, just a short little story, and you don't need the music. So, because you don't need the music, you can you kind of have to. Uh, I don't know. It's just different. So no, the that's the meandering answer to your question. Uh, okay. I was kind of yeah. hoping there was like a nugget in there, like 
you know, this song came from this. But how did how did the the poetry club? How did that start? Where'd that come from? It's it's pretty cool. Like it's a a disciplined thing as a as a writer to like force yourself to do that. I think it's pretty amazing. Well, I've been doing I've been I've been doing this thing called the Song Club for oh twenty years now. Where and that started where I was hanging out with some songwriting friends of mine, and we were like, hey, we should come up with a phrase, write a song, and then we'll come back tomorrow and I'll play my song and you play your song that we've, that we use the phrase in. So that's how the song game thing started. And then I kind of started doing that when I was on the road, just because you got so much downtime when you're traveling. Uh, most, you know, most of the time when you're, when you're on the road, you're just hanging out in a bus or you're hanging out backstage. And most of the time is just downtime. So we were like, so we started doing that on the road. And yeah, so, um, yeah. at, at one point, I just remember I was talking to a friend of mine who's a writer. And when we were young and drinking and partying a lot, we used to write poems and then like give them to each other and send them to each other. And, uh, and we realized um, when we were about 30, we stopped writing poetry and we really just got busy doing work. Um, and I, I know that was the case for me. I just started writing a lot of songs and I just didn't have any time to write poetry. And so literally 10 years had gone by for both of us. And we were like, man, what, whatever happened to the days when we used to write poetry? And, and we were both just like, I guess we just got busy working. And so I was like, well, we should do what, what I do with the song club and, uh, you know, come up with a phrase and then we'll just make ourselves write a poem every week. And so I started What would doing be an that. example of a phrase that you, that you throw out to everybody? Like, how does that go? How does it work? Well, what I've been doing for years and years now is I'll find a poem that I really like, you know, by a famous poet usually, or, or a well-known poet or somebody I like. And I'll just take a line or a couple words from, one, from that poem and then use that as the seed kind of as, or the phrase for that week. So it, it really can be anything. It, it doesn't, in fact, uh, you know, the less descriptive it is, usually the better. Um, yeah. But I've been doing that now yeah. for almost 10 years, so I've written 500 poems just uh, in yeah. a poetry wow. machine. Mm. And if, if you, okay, so if you couldn't do what you're doing, what what profession would you be doing right now? Uh... I mean, that's a good question. I mean, this, somebody told me one time you should, I, I met this billionaire one time in Houston and, uh, he's a real intense dude. And, uh, he was a friend of this other songwriter friend of mine and he introduced me to him at this club and, uh, I walked up to this guy and he just like grabbed my hand like hard and he just mm-hmm. looked in, looked into my eyes with these like piercing, like X-Men, this style doesn't sound like my Austin Zav- story. <laughs> Xavier Xavier Hollander uh, style eyes, and he just mm-hmm. like not not like hi, how's it going, or who you know, nice to meet you. None of that. He just looked in my eyes and goes, "You got to ask yourself one question." And I'm like, "I'm all ears, <laughs> motherfucker. What's the question?" <laughs> I'm scared. You, bill- you, you billionaire bitch. And he goes, <laughs> "I didn't say any of that. I was thinking all of that, but I was also stunned, and I was like." Is this guy trying to fuck me? Anyways, yeah, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like what you guys are dealing with when you're in your trip to Austin. I was like, I don't know who this yeah. guy is, but he's freaking me the fuck out. And <laughs> and uh, so he goes, you gotta 
you got to ask yourself one question. I'm like, okay, what would you do with your life if you knew you couldn't fail? And I was like, oh, shit, mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) So, but what I realized, too, while I was telling that story is that's not the that's not the quote I was actually wanting to get to. They, they, uh, the thing, the quote that I wanted to get to was like, if you had all the money in the world, and I don't know where this comes from, mm-hmm. what would you do with your life if you had all the money in the world? And the answer to that question for me is exactly what I'm doing. Like, I love what I'm doing. I wouldn't do anything different. I would, may, I would pay my, the guys that work with me more. I would stay in nicer hotels. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I would do the same thing. I would, I would write, Man, that shows, yeah, I would, that shows I would you're write blessed. the same amount and I would, I would play all the gigs that I play because I love what I do. I, I have mm-hmm. a great, great life and I love it. Yeah. I mean, what, maybe five, 10% of people in the world would answer that question that way that love what they do and wouldn't change a thing. So mm-hmm. you're, you're blessed. You're lucky. I, I'm not in that category. So good yeah. for you, Bob. That's exactly. awesome. And well, you yeah, but but, but okay. you can you can be you can be mm-hmm. starting today. Now, I will say I will say this. I mean, I've been doing it for a while now, and I've been able to sort of cobble together a, a fan base, uh, and so I, I'm able to do what I do. But I mean, for years, I mean, I was doing the thing where I would like put together like 13 pennies and go to the H-E-B and buy myself some ramen and like cook up some ramen. And that's all I would eat that day. Because when you're down to 13 cents, you want to spend it on rum. (laughs) Well, that's that's all, that's all you could buy. Like, you know, that's all, all I could buy at the store was an 11 cent pack of ramen. I mean, I can't tell you how sick at one point. Oh, he said gum. I thought he said rum. Yeah. I I thought you said rum too. Ramen. (laughs) Top ramen. 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 (laughs) Top ramen noodles. Package of Top Ramen Noodles from uh, H-E-B back in the day was 11 cents. So I would buy the 11 cents noodles with my pennies and then go home and eat that like a goddamn uh, hobo. And then, uh, and, 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 you know, do what I'm, do what I'm doing. And, or, or I remember one time all I had in the cupboard was uh, like about a half a bag of flour. And I was Mm -hmm. like. What can I make with this flour? And I just mixed it. <laughs> and I just took some tap water and mixed the flour into the tap water and tried to drink that. That shit is oh, not. Jesus. That's not good. How did that end? That does did not that taste good, and it's yeah. not fun. And, 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 and another more, on time, a more personal note, how did it come out? Oh yeah, it just turns into <laughs> it just turns into a rock, and eventually <laughs> you just have to go have your entire ass removed at a like a body uh, shop. <laughs> Nice. Uh, <laughs> I remember another time, okay. I mean, I was so, I mean, for years I was really, you know, just kind of scratching, scratching it out a living. And I remember one time, this was actually back before I even moved to Austin, I was living in El Paso and, um, I was, uh, I was living, I was in this apartment and I, I used to drive this mail Jeep that was like 400 bucks. That was my transportation. You couldn't get, couldn't get around in El Paso really if you, you can't, couldn't, it's not a pedestrian city. It's a driving city. And, uh, oh, my uh, car had a flat and I didn't have a spare. So I was kind of stuck in this apartment complex. I didn't have a phone cause they'd shut the phone off. 
Um, mm. The only the only thing I had for entertainment was I had a. <laughs> this is like it sounds like a made up story, but this is all true. I had a two inch black and white television. <laughs> a two inch. Nah, there's no such no, thing. I swear to God. Unless you're a, a spy a for the Russians. T- no this was back in the day when televisions were like in boxes. So this was a portable television. It uh, <laughs> it was like four inches by four inches, but the screen was two inches by two inches. I black and these. Black yeah. and white. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and no you cable. You guys are older than so, me. Yeah, I'm fucking a thousand years old. So, And it had like a an antenna. So all you could get were like the three channels this is like pre-fox like there was no fox it was just abc nbc cbs so i'm watching this tv i've got no no way to leave nobody i can't call anybody this pre-cell phone no no cell phones nothing like that so now i'm just stuck here and uh, i had no food (laughs) and all i had in the fridge at this point i had no flour there was nothing. All I had, and it was completely empty. The only thing I had was I had about a half of half of a bottle of Golden's spicy mustard. So oh, that's God. all. I had. All I had. So every every few hours, what's I would, the nutritional value of spicy mustard? How long can you sustain yourself on that? Yeah. Well, every few. So what I would do is every few hours I would go to the fridge, pull out this mustard, put it on my finger. And then pretend that my finger was like a hot dog or a oh you know, some God. kind of a sausage <laughs> or something and kind of lick the mustard off my hand and like kind of chew on my finger a little bit and then drink a glass <laughs> of water. <laughs> and that would get me through like a couple hours and I would just do that every once in oh, a while. And man. I did that for three days. And then finally at the end of the three days, I'm like, I have to get out of here and go <laughs> find someone. Yeah. To help me. Yeah, I mean, if you Otherwise, don't turn to your backup plan at that point. Decomposing corpse in this apartment eventually. So Jesus. so, so eventually I ended up walking uh, to my friend's house who, who, who lived miles, maybe like a four-mile trek. And through the heat of El Paso, this is like during the summer, it's like a, routinely like 110, 115 degrees there. So I'm walking through this heat, and I finally get to his house. And uh, I have no idea if Did he's even going to be there. Did you take the mustard with you for sustenance? What's that? Did you take the mustard with you along the way for sustenance? I think I, I, think, I think I may have drank all that <laughs> mustard. And uh, <laughs> so I get to his house. I, I get to his house, and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to answer. If he doesn't answer, I'm not walking home. I mean, at this point, I'm it. basically a homeless person. So I, I'm camping out at his house, whether he's there or not. So I knock oh. on his door. Sure enough, he mm. ans- he answers the door. And um, and he's like, hey, Bob, it's good to see you. And I'm like, and I, I don't, like, he's standing in the doorway, but I don't care about him at all. I just look past him into his, like, ref- like where the kitchen is. Food, and on top water. of... And on top of his refrigerator, I see a sleeve of saltine crackers. <laughs> and, and it was like, it was basically like, you know, like the movies where the, where the knights are looking for the Holy Grail and then they finally come across the Holy Grail right. and the light yeah, is, the it. light is shining off of it. And it's like, the Grail. Uh-huh. you know, they've been oh, through this, God. through this harrowing search and I, like everything if your faded friend didn't answer the door that day, that I mean, that might have been it for Bob Schneider. Yeah, no, he might not have had any of it. That might have been in the end of you. Yeah, but Bob would have made it. Bob, you could have fucked the music shit and just gone on like Fear Factor and just eaten the grossest <laughs> shit ever. 
you would have been the champion. You, no, you may have made no. the wrong choice. No, I'm not. <laughs> that would I'm have been not, the move. No, I'm not eating shit. I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'll eat flour and I'll eat mustard <laughs> and I'll eat ramen. But throw Bob's a tarantula or a scorpion my way and I'm like, out. I'm like, that's it for me. It's like, I'm, I'll kill myself before I eat a damn tarantula or a scorpion. Dude, I mean, it's just seriously. a small step away. You, I mean, you ate the most random shit in the fruit. Like, I know, but I mean, those were actual. With that was actual. In, yeah, but that was yeah. those were food items. I mean, I would not yeah. do like I, I've seen those documentaries where they show people like living in a uh, in a damn trash dump in India, mm-hmm. where they're like yeah. they're sleeping on a on a damn trash can lid covered in in cockroaches. I I wouldn't do well in that situation at all. I don't think any of us would. No. But I mean, I think the moral of this story is if you want to do something and you want it bad enough, you're going to do what it takes. Is that right? Yeah. And make you, sure you, you, yeah. You, didn't, you didn't fall back on your backup plan or go get a job. You were willing to live on mustard and, and flour until you made it work. Don't forget the ramen. Well, yeah. no, I mean, I had some jobs. I just was so shy back then. The idea of going and applying for a job was just so unappealing. Like, if somebody you were said, shy, hey, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been really introverted. So the idea of like actually going to a place and asking for a job, it's like, oh, I'm, I don't want to bother these people. So um, that was really mainly it. I mean, I, I, I had no problem working. I mean, I had, some, I had some jobs. The problem with me is I like to party a lot. So <laughs> it was hard getting yeah, yeah, to work you, sometimes. You, so I, I'd get fired you, uh, occasionally. You sing a lot of songs about... Uh, Drugs, you know, and I'm I'm a big fan of, um, of you and drugs of, of Bob Schneider and drugs. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I hate to tell you this, you, but I work for the DEA, so you're under arrest. But that's <laughs> right. Let's finish the podcast Fuck. before I take you to jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you sing a lot of songs about it. Some of them are like light and fun and have a party feel. Some of them are like really deep and and sad and get at your heart. I'm I'm just wondering have because. I'm a writer, and when when I write, sometimes I like to enhance the process with some substances. Have substances helped you in your career? And when you became a parent, because this is a parenting podcast, mm-hmm. did that change for you? Well, I got sober about 23 years ago, so that was way before I became a parent. So, I it, in the it, since then, I haven't. I don't do any drugs or drink or anything. So, but I do think that before that, you know, I, I was never a big drug guy, but I did smoke some pot and uh, drank a lot. And um, I think that the smoking pot was really good for me as a creative person because really what it did was it kind of jumbled up my brain a little bit and uh, it allowed me to sort of not be so linear with my thinking, which I think makes uh, your writing a little bit more interesting um, than if you're like, you know, it just makes it more random. And I think the more kind of random you can get in your writing where it takes the listener, like you're going from here to over there to back to over here. It, they have, the listener has to fill that, those spaces in with their own experience. And it makes this, makes the song more interesting whereas if you just like you're going well i'm going to go from point a to point b in a straight line you pretty right. much figure out mm-hmm. that journey right away and it just becomes uninteresting so i do think that drugs help um i think uh you know i did some psychedelic stuff uh some mushrooms you know uh 
and and I think that helped in terms of just like changing my perspective a little bit, like realizing right. oh, there's more than one way to look at the world. I think people that don't do any of that stuff have a hard time. Uh, with yeah, the I idea so. that maybe they don't know everything. Like people that don't ever do those drugs, the thing that they have in common is like, I know what I know because I've lived this life and I've seen it and it's all concrete and it is the way it is. But if right. you've done those psychedelics, you're like, uh, well, no, because there was this one time when everything was all melty and bendy. <laughs> and, uh, and you can tell yourself yeah. that that was the drugs, but really it was your perception and and while that was going on, that was real. So right. it, it it allows you an actual physical experience where you're you're seeing the world differently and I think it expands your mind in a way that I think is good for people. Yeah, yeah. It 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 um it doesn't matter if it's the drugs or it's all in your brain or it's a hallucination. The the fact of the matter is it changes your perception and it's important to once in a while perceive things differently than we typically do. I think so. And but having said that, I was I was not a big drug guy and I didn't I I you know, I tried I tried, you know, everything. I didn't ever mess around with needles just because I'm such a hypochondriac and I was like, oh, I'm definitely gonna get AIDS if I try to do something with a needle. So I never did anything with a needle, but I tried I tried, you know, all the stuff and then I I just didn't do it more than once or twice just because it wasn't my thing. I I really just enjoyed drinking because I'm a scared, nervous person. So uh, drinking always made that go away, and and so I loved it. But the problem was I just wanted to do it all the time, and I overdid it. So finally I had to stop doing that. Oh, all right. Yeah. A lot of us make that, that those same mistakes and those same choices, so good for you. And sticking with it 20 years, that's, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier about um, how it took you a long time to build a following. So one question I have, you have like a super loyal following. Like um, you don't have, you, you know, you're not Pearl Jam, you don't have the biggest following in the world, but your followers are, are, are really loyal and have sustained you. Like was that an intentional choice to cultivate um, – a good group of followers or is that just kind of how it worked out? No, that's just how it worked out. I mean, the, I think that the reason that the people that are into me are so loyal and into me, it's because they found me on their own. Like I, you're not going to see me on, on uh, Jimmy Fallon. You're not going to see me in Rolling Stone magazine. You're not going to, like I'm super under the radar. Um, people don't talk about me. So in, in, in the media, so it's all word of mouth. It's all people that came to a show cause somebody said, check it out. Or, or maybe like I've been on Austin city limits, the TV show twice. So people have just, maybe that was on one day and they were like, ah, who's this? So they've discovered me. So I think most people who are into me are like, oh, this is my discovery. It's my, it's like they think of me as their thing. And I think that's why they're so, I think that's why they're so possessive and into it and like really, uh, you know, loyal, which is great because, you know, a lot of people like maybe they'll have a hit on the radio or, or they're kind of everywhere and then people are talking about them and, and that kind of, that kind of thing is great for a minute, but then that kind of loyalty goes away really quickly. Like people don't stick around. They're just, you know, that's like sort of the flavor of the moment. And 
I've just yeah. never been, I've never been that. I've never had any hits. I've never, you know, right. That's never been the case. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I know that's true for and, me. There's, there's pride and, and, when you discover some kind of some, something in music, you discover that yourself. There's a little bit of personal pride with that. More with Bob Snyder on the dad presents after these words. Yo B. What's happening? You, you notice how chill and sexy I'm looking right now? Uh, no comment on that. Well, you, you notice. Don't pretend you didn't notice. Mm, quite the opposite. <laughs> but what are you getting at? You want to know why I'm looking so chill and please, so sexy right now? Please stop talking and just tell me what, what you're. <laughs> it's me undies. I'm feeling good. I'm wearing me undies. I feel good. And when you feel good, you look good. Are we really talking about your underwear right now? We're talking about my underwear. I don't want to talk about your underwear. Me undies are the best underwear you can get out there. And our listeners, we got a code for you. If you want some me undies, if you want to feel fresh, if you want to look good, go to meundies.com. Use the code word M U friend. Buy 20 for 20% off. That's a bargain at any price. So you, you said these are the best underwear you can get? Look at me right now. I don't want to. Look at me. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Go to MeUndies. <laughs> do what he said with the code. Get them. They're great underwear. That's all I'm going to say about My it. My nuts are so tight. I, I, you took it too far. Hey everybody, this is B. We're back. Dad presents episode number 10. Joined, of course, by Jay Maddie. I am B. And with our special guest, of course, Mr. Bob Schneider. You know, we've talked about how, like, the different sounds you have in your, ba- your band is included, you know, bass players, guitars, that's normal stuff, drums, normal, but also a cello and an, an accordion and I gotta ask, what kind of pussy is the accordion player getting? Gotta know. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's getting any pussy <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> it holds true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't ever talk to him. Uh, he, he's in my band, uh, Ollie Stack. He's in, incredible. Um, but it is a weird thing. You can be in a band with people and spend a lot of time with them, which I, which you do when you're on the road. But when we're not on the road and we're not playing, we don't hang out. We don't really talk. Um, and I think that's kind of a normal thing. It's rare that you're going to want to hang out with your bandmates or talk to them really, uh, when you're not on the road. Uh, it, I, I don't know why that is, but it, it's, it's been the case with me. Uh, the entire time I've been playing music. Uh, so, I mean, and if, athlete, you know, performers do that. Athletes do the same thing. There's a lot of, you know, their teammates, and not necessarily saying they don't like each other, but, you know, they may not hang with each other, but they get together, they win games, and I guess the same thing, in, at least in your case, and maybe other cases can be sa- said for, you know, bands and music and that sort of thing. So it's because, it, you know, everyone always talks about the similarity between, you know, there's, if you ask an NBA player, they say, I want to be a rapper. And if, if if you ask a musician, they want to go play football. So maybe that's the same parallel. Do you ever see yourself as like a sports person? Or if, if you, you know, and this is, goes back to the previous question, if if you weren't doing music, what other performing performance would you do? Well, here's what I wouldn't do. Okay. Put strap on a helmet and, and, a, and some pads and get on the field with those monsters. Oh my yeah, god! Seems like a those good guys are. Those guys are. Uh, I mean, I love. I love football. I, lo- I I'm. I'm a big football fan. I, 
have to say, I, I was never really into sports. I have a 13-year-old son. He really got into football when he was six or seven, started playing Pop Warner. And uh, so I got in. That's the only reason I got into it, really. And now I, I love it and I follow it. But I, I have no, I would have no, uh, no <laughs> desire to get punished out there. Um, I, I don't, I try to avoid any kind of discomfort. Um, and that's really the only sport <laughs> I like. I, I don't watch uh, basketball or baseball or any of that. So. Mm. Yeah, so Bob, since you uh, you brought up your kids, and this is the Dad Presents, we we, we talk a lot about parenting. Uh, one thing we do every week is we let our readers reach out with questions about parenting. So we we read a couple on air, and then then we answer them. So I was hoping you could help us out in that regard. Let's cool. do it. All right. So the first one we got is from Jamie. Hey, Jamie. What's up, Jamie? Jamie says my son is starting to believe in God from things he hears in school from friends. My wife and I are atheists. How should we handle this? Oh, wow. That's deeper than we usually go. I know. That that was a good one. Yeah, let's let's put Bob's feet to the fire on that one. (laughs) Jump on in there, Bob. Uh, I mean, I I believe in God, so uh, I don't know. I did this thing. I I was brought up really religious, and... uh, And... um, and kind of stop believing in the religion that I was brought up with when I was in, in about junior high, it just didn't, it didn't ring true to me. And so the combination of that and then Santa Claus, I'm sorry, what were you raised as? I was raised Catholic. So I went, I went to Catholic. Me too. All three of us. All three of us. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Catholic school and, and did all that. I was really religious, um, really had a, like you know, prayed all the time, had a real God consciousness. And then, I don't know, just something like just some of the stuff just didn't add up when I got to be like a junior high. And then I tried a bunch mm-hmm. of different, I tried a bunch of different, you know, I'd, friend, I had some friends who were Baptists, so I'd go to their church, by the way, Baptist church of all the churches, my favorite. Like those sermons oh, yeah. are amazing. Like uh, <laughs> they're all like, the preachers are all decked out, they're married, they got pictures of their family and their kids, you know, when you walk into the church, I'm like, and they're like styling and telling jokes. And then next yeah, thing party. you know, you got people getting up, running up and getting saved. And I loved yeah. it. And yeah, uh, pictures of their wives, their girlfriends, their, oh, yeah. all that. Oh yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, which was so, so different than the Catholic church. And then, um, and then I went to some Mormon services, the services, the, those kind of sucked, but but the cool thing that the Mormons had was they had these Mormon dances that were amazing. Um, like, so they had that, which the Baptists didn't have. Like, the Baptists were like, no dancing, no drinking. Then the Mormons are like, no drinking, but we can dance and hang out. And, you know, and I feel like the Mormon girls were, I don't know if they were DTF, but they were definitely DTD down to dance. So uh, that was fun. But at the, the end of the, the day, the most religious none, girls are always the naughtiest girls. That's what I found sure. from growing up Catholic. Sure. Well, the, the Catholic, nobody's as naughty as those uh, Catholic girls when they get in, right. when they get to be teen, or preacher's daughters is what we call them. I think one of the first girls I ever made out with was a preacher's daughter, and she was. She, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, she was, she was, she was, uh, she was, I don't know. I, feel, I, I <laughs> have a daughter now. You, you, you so, look like you're like, lost for words searching for that. <laughs> well, she just, I mean, I, I fooled around with her a couple times, but then she like went down a dark road. I mean, she was doing all kinds of like weird. You mean anal? Like, 
No, 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 but I, I, I remember once a, a, a year or two after I dated her, I was at a disco. This was in Germany because I grew up in Germany. And uh, mm-hmm. I was at this discotheque and this friend of mine was like, hey, uh, I'm not going to say the girl's name. Uh, what's her name's out in the park? And she's, mm-hmm. they're running a train on her. Like there was dudes lined oh, up wow. having this sex with her. Yeah, we're uh, about to have a hashtag Me Too moment on the show. Uh, it was so horrible. They were like, hey, you want to get yeah. in on that? And I'm like, good God, no. What do you <laughs> Why would anybody ever do any? Like, the thought of it was so horrible. Anyways, yeah. so, but that that was the preacher's art. But I'm, I'm this is, we're, we're not, we're, uh, let me get back to the question at hand about. Yeah, the, yeah, let's uh, help out Jamie. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I got. <laughs> I'm all so, excited. I heard about anal so and then, my, you know, the train and sorry. Yeah. So the the reason I mentioned all that is is I got really bummed out that I, I felt like people were lying to me. And it wasn't necessarily the religion thing because people believe in that. And so that wasn't necessary even though I was like, ah, I'm not convinced. But the thing that I know was a bald faced lie was the was the Santa Claus stuff, and I don't, I don't know if we should even talk about it because if this is, I don't know, I don't want to like no, spoiler this alert this for anybody. Kids aren't listening to this, no more. Uh, so yeah, when I found out about that, I was like really bummed, and so I made a decision when I became a parent that I just wasn't going to lie to my kids really about anything. And I think the thing about kids is like they can handle the truth. Now. I'm not going to load down my kids Bob with a bunch like of my mm. problems. I'm not going to be like, use them as a therapist or something. But if my son asked me or my daughter asked me something, I'm just going to tell them what the truth is because I really do believe that the truth doesn't, you know, doesn't need, uh, d- 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 you don't, it, the truth is what it filter. is. So it yeah. needs no, the truth needs no defense. So whatever my truth is, if my kid came home and said, Hey, I think I believe in God. I would just tell them what I believe, you know, whatever that yeah. is, whatever the truth is, instead of trying to like lie to your kids because, oh, they're not old enough to talk about it. Like I remember one time, this is a few years ago, my son's 13. I, mean, I want to say when he was maybe eight or maybe he was seven or eight, he came to me. Uh, it was like in November or December or something. He goes, hey, dad. Last year, when we were opening Christmas presents, and there were all these Christmas presents from Santa, did you buy those presents? And I was like, "Yeah." And he never asked me. He never asked me another question again. He didn't ask me if there was a Santa Claus. He was like, "Okay, yeah. this this investigation discovery is closed, <laughs> and uh, we're just going to go back to business as usual. And hopefully, there'll be a bunch of presents from Santa under the tree again this year." And and really, that was the end of it. End of discussion. You know. Yeah, man. Honesty. B, you got you got anything? Yeah. The thing what I would say, and, and thank you, Bob. That was good. That was a, that was that's a windy excellent. a windy road, but I, I love the story. Um, what I would say is, your kids, even though they come from your body and from your wife's body, are not you. They're not. And the more you try to make them you, they're going to resist and reject. And what the only thing, if you're forcing any religion on them, if it's atheism, if it's Catholicism, if it's Buddhism, whatever, if you're forcing that on them. There's a very good chance they reject it. Ah, there you go. Speaking from the rebel himself over there who rejected (laughs) everything, and I'm sure he'll have that in his answer as well. But they're going to reject that at some point when it comes that time for them to be rebellious, which for most kids comes in the teenage years. But you know, it's coming. So what you would, what you should do, and I I assume and understand that you would probably want 
your kid to share your religion, your beliefs. I get that is to educate them on those beliefs without hitting them over the head with it. And if you do that and everything's open and honest and you answer questions without forcing them, you may have a shot at them adopting your beliefs if that's what you want. But to, you know, the, the thing is, as I said before, whenever the parents make a big deal out of anything to kids, it magnifies it. So if you make a big deal about them not being atheists or them moving toward Catholicism or whatever, it becomes a hundred times more serious to them and it gives them something to reject later. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys both nailed that. So I don't have a lot to add to that. Mm. I just want to say, you know, uh, piggybacking on what Bob said about Santa Claus, um, <laughs> I was believing in Santa Claus until the fifth grade, and I don't know what age that is. That's like twelve, maybe. Mm. And you're old you know, fifth grader. Yeah, I, I don't know, eleven, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. I believed in fifth grade yeah. because you know I didn't hey, think I my mom and dad were going to lie to me about something as important as Santa Claus. Mm. I ended up getting in a fist fight at school defending Santa Claus's honor. There you go. Got sent home for fighting, sticking up for Santa Claus. <laughs> And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. They broke it to me at that point. So I've always, you, you know me, I go with the philosophy of be honest with your kids, sure. tell them the truth. Let, they'll reach their own conclusions. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for. So, so Jamie, just, just be truthful. Don't try, to, don't try to force them in any which direction. You know, tell them what you think and then let him make his own decisions. Yes. And thank you, Jamie. So, um, Bob, uh, back on your family, you have, you have uh, two kids, right? Yeah, I got a three-year-old daughter and a thirteen-year-old son. Yeah, okay. Are you sleeping at all? Or no, you're past that point. You're you're getting decent sleep now, right? Mostly. No, no, I I don't. No, I don't. Maybe not. I don't sleep for very long. But that doesn't really have anything to do with my kids. That's just me. I just I I, I can't sleep for more than about four or five hours. My because I'll wake up and then my brain will just start racing and then I'm up for a while. But I I sleep throughout the day. I'm kind of on the Edison schedule where I'll sleep for a few hours, then I'm up for six or eight hours, and then I take a nap for a couple hours. I mean, the good news about what I do do is I only have to be awake for like two hours. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about parenting with as much as you – I mean, it seems like you're always touring. I mean, you're you're in L.A. a couple times a year. You're all over the place. How do you balance touring um, with, you know, spending time with your kids? Like how do you reach a healthy balance there? Do you ever bring your family on the road with you? Um, I have done a little bit of that, but I don't spend a lot of time outside of Texas. So most of the times, even though it looks like I'm playing a lot of gigs, which I do, most of them, I'm still coming home after the show and I'm at home. I mean, if I'm playing Dallas, I'm not really at home until like five or six in the morning, but, uh, it's only when I go out of town that I'm not home and, and I do a lot of fly gigs where I play for like maybe Friday and Saturday and then fly home Sunday. Um, it's rare that I do more than two or three days in a row, like on a weekend. And I only do that maybe once a month. Uh, so I, and, and I used to spend, you know, three, four weeks at a time on the road. And I just, once I started having kids, I stopped doing it because I, you're going to miss that time with your kids. You never get it back. And I, I just, yep, I, I miss my kids too much and I don't enjoy being on the road for that long and I don't have to be on the road for that long. So I, I really, even five days seems like a really long time. And I have to do that sometimes cause I've got the band out and it just doesn't make sense to like drive all the way to Portland and then not play, you know, on the way back and stuff. So, uh, I mean, yeah. we you got FaceTime now, so that helps a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's really changed how much time 
I spend away from home. I just don't like to do it. Good. So Bob's a good dad. Good no. to know. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I mean, I'm, I do the least amount that I can get away with, really. <laughs> well, I mean, all of us let our wives do the heavy lifting. That you know, yeah. we're all we're all in that position. But as a dad, the main role really is to spend time with them, and you know. Mm-hmm. Show them a good time and, and be the disciplinarian. Other than that, moms usually do the heavy lifting. Yeah, so you you're got, doing the job. And if you got a girl, keep her off the stripper pole. That's pretty much it. And, well, and we, we, have that, a stri- right? we have yeah. a stripper. We have a stripper pole in our living room. So uh, that's that that uh, goal. It was was. Uh, let, let me ask you this about your daughter. Did, What's that? did your song? Did your songwriting change at all once you had a daughter? In, in terms of like the the sexual flavor of your songs. Once you had a daughter, did you handle those kind of songs differently or, or you just keep rolling with it? Cause I, I'm, I'm asking cause blood and bones, the, your most recent album, killer mm-hmm. album, but it has like a lot more like, um, serious notes to it. Like, like real heartbreakers and like, you know, songs that make you cry. I'm wondering if that's coming from a, something with your daughter. Um, it absolutely has changed um, the way I think about women and uh, and and love songs in general, for sure. Like uh, both when I when I had my son and when I had my daughter. Uh, I mean, I really it profoundly changed my life. Obviously, having kids, everybody who has kids understands what I'm talking about. Like you immediately go from like I'm number one to I'm number two. Immediately, like it's the first time in my life where I'm like, "Oh, I c- care more about this person than I do about myself." And it's not like a, you know, like there's that thing like if uh, there's a gunman in the room and you got your your wife and your parents and your relatives and your friends, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna start shooting some people. Who should we shoot?" And I'll be like, "Mother-in-law. Well, my parents are old." Uh, my, my sister, I feel like I've got more songs to write. My sister's not writing any songs. She's, you know, she, she's, a, she's, she's got her kids. She's a mom, but I, I'm a dad. So I start doing the math and I'm like, eh, maybe my, you know, uh, even my sister's kids, I'm like, ah, what are they going to do with their lives? Really? <laughs> but, but with my kids, it's it's not even a there's not even a second of thought. I'm like, of course, kill me. Do not kill my kids. Like, you sure. know what I'm saying? But with everybody else mm-hmm. in the world, I'm like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's about right, man. <laughs> so that does change. It's just because your perspective changes so much, it's going to change what you write about for sure. Now, yeah. it, it usually does that sort of in imperceptible ways. But yeah, I'm not... I kind of stopped writing super sexual songs years ago, kind of you know, like you mean like uh, Pussy Fever. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Pussy Fever, or I, fu- I have a song called "I Fucked Your Daughter in the Ass Boy." That's right, uh, that's right. But oh, wow. I mean, but <laughs> you know, that's I, I feel like that stuff you write when you're young, you know. And I'm just you get older, and 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 it's not as funny, uh, and uh, yeah, it's not. Those really... songs were so fun, though. There was there was no harm in those songs. They were just. You know, funk. It was fun, mm-hmm. fun stuff. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I don't, I don't think there. I don't, I don't think the intention in those songs was misogyny at all. Like the, like that no, song, "I no. fucked your daughter in the ass, boy." It's not like. <laughs> it's more. It's because you're having this conversation with the father of this girl that you're dating, 
And that's the relationship that's being explored in that song. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I love, I love women. I love, you know, I, I respect women, uh, it, but I like to, you know, I like to have fun. I like to say stuff that's funny and, and, um, but yeah, having a daughter has definitely changed my perspective on things for yeah. sure. And and yeah, and the other thing that I discovered once I when I had both kids, it, anytime something huge happens in your life, it really does give you something to write about. Even though I'm not like writing songs about like, oh, I have a daughter because I just would never write a song like that. I do mm-hmm. feel like I have these feelings that are profound, and because of, because of that, it's allowed me to write some really good songs. Because I had the experience of becoming a father. Yeah. No, totally understandable. We got any more? uh, Yeah, well, I I had a couple more questions. Yeah. Yeah. You got like a couple more minutes, Bob? Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Okay, cool. You and Pearl Jam, as far as I know, are the only two musicians that record every single live show and then make them available to the audience, which is super cool. Like, as as a fan of music, I love that. Um, you go on your website, you can get any of the albums there. The artwork on these albums is, is phenomenal. So number one, I'm wondering who does that artwork. And number two, what the hell does frunk mean? Um, well, I did all that art myself. I, I do art as well as oh, wow. music. And, um, so those are all like collages and stuff that I, that I've been working on. When I, Damn. originally I wasn't, never, I wasn't going to go into music. I was, I was going to be an artist. That was my plan. Uh, it's just when I was, I was going to school, I was a fine arts major in college and I just found out that playing music is way more fun and exciting and, and, and you get way more opportunities to get laid in a band than, than paint, <laughs> painting in your dorm room. So unless you play the accordion. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You can get laid if you play an accordion. I, I uh, if you just play any, yeah, if you, I'm wondering what grade of pussy though. Like, what 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 are we talking about here? Like, if you guys are getting like, obviously you're singing, you're playing guitar, you're going crazy, you're getting like, well, you're married now. But um, let's before all that, of course, you're getting grade A. What is the accordion player taking home? He comes grade, in after the bass player. Grade <laughs> he, A. Uh, you're grade. You still get grade A. Grade A. <laughs> I should have fucking I'm learned t- to play accordion. <laughs> no, I, I'll Damn tell it. you. I'll tell you. Start. I went. I was in a bar in New Orleans one time. And I went into mm-hmm. this place, and they were playing klezmer music. You know, klezmer music <laughs> is like the. It's like a yeah. clarinet and an accordion, and yeah. it's like. And these nerds were playing it, and there in the front row were two just super hot chicks that were just into what these guys were doing. I'm like, that's the power of music. It really is. Wow. It doesn't matter what you play, how you do it. It's just something about that. Uh, dynamic uh, women are mm-hmm. like uh, want to get with this dude playing the accordion or clarinet or whatever. So I know yeah. I know it seems like uh, it's undeniable. Yeah, it's a, it's not cool, but I mean I don't know. So somewhere <laughs> there's a really hot chick whose dad played accordion or something, and so she sees some guy playing accordion. You know, yeah, my, rings, my grandfather played some, accordion and, oh. and he did okay for himself. No? Oh well, no. you you're here. So obviously <laughs> something worked out. There you go. There you go. But you didn't answer what is what, uh, frunk. What is frunk? Uh, so when we first started recording the live shows, we were um, burning um, CD-ROMs of the show right afterwards. So I would make uh, so I'd make art just for the CDs, and um, 
the first one that I was making, I was just putting some type up, just, uh, not really, I didn't know what I was going to call it. I was just, I just accidentally wrote frunk and I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat word. Um, and then we just started calling it frunk. So it was an accident. It was like a misspelling accident, sort of serendipitous, uh, hmm. thing. That's a disappointing story. It's like, it's yeah. like my son asking about the Santa Claus presence. It's like, well, that's <laughs> yeah. the truth. Do with it, do well, with it what you will. Yeah. At least you didn't let your son get beat up over Santa Claus. So there's that. <laughs> well, yeah. I did. Right, I, speaking um, of like speaking of having weird things, I remember when I was in was it sixth grade? I had this discussion with somebody where I was convinced that if you French kiss someone, you could get pregnant. And it wasn't like I didn't know about sperm. I knew about sperm, but I just thought sperm could travel through your spit and get in the other person and impregnate them. You mean it can't? Yeah. Wow. That's I never went. I never mind. went to. I never <laughs> went to camp. But this was just hanging out with my cousin, who was much smarter than me, and he was like, "No, that's not true." And I'm like, "No, it's true, man." But we didn't fight. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. disagreed, and then I found out later I was very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But it yeah. it's it is amazing how you can like just convince yourself of all kinds of things that aren't true. Yeah. Now that. Yeah. It's um. You watch the, you know, you watch porn and they spit on it, and so I guess porn. Por- what, what is this? What is this? I've I've never heard of this thing called porn. What what is it you speak of? <laughs> you know, it, well, yeah, it's something. Look it up. Google it. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask why. Um, so my my personal favorite song that you do is "God Is My Friend." And uh, I don't think I've seen you do that one live in about a decade. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm just wondering if there's a reason or I just happen to miss it every time. No, I haven't done that song. I feel like that song's a little, I think it's a little rough for some folks. Um, and uh, Just because Jesus is doing blow? Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, there's a line. There's a line in there about I can see God on a cloud in the sky with a great big dick. You know, like it's that's the original lyric and stuff. And it's and it's funny. And there's a story behind it where you know uh, uh, the story was when we were when I was a kid, we got we got this Bible, um, and in the Bible there were all these paintings from uh, that Michelangelo did, and it had the famous painting of God kind of floating in the sky above Adam and he's kind of like their arms are outstretched and he's like, the fingers are touching. It's like where he, right. God's giving uh, Adam life or whatever. And yeah. uh, I just remember looking at What's that picture that? and, and like Adam's naked, but God's like wearing a robe. And I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck is God wearing a robe? Like, it's just him and Adam. Is it like drafty? The logical conclusion is because God has a big dick. Yeah. Well, is it drafty or maybe he doesn't have a big dick? Maybe he's a little shy dick. Maybe he's got the small dick. Like I got to wear a robe, but 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 Adam's dick is tiny. By the way, in that picture, it's it's not a big dick. <laughs> not not looking like, that closely. Maybe, yeah. Is it and tiny? It, just, it, it begged a lot of questions. And 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 the thing One about the question that, I have is is if God is Liberace, and he sounds like he's in that Liberace movie. <laughs> well, well, the the thing was the the reason I wrote that song was because I had kind of thrown away the idea of God. Like I said, when I was a when I was in in middle school, I just stopped believing in God, and just because I was like, oh, I, I don't. This religion doesn't 
work for me. It doesn't ring true. So, so I, but I, I really do believe that God, people need God in their life. And I know I need uh, God in my life. Like it, it's the thing that gets me through the hard times. Uh, it's who I pray to when I'm, when I'm having a bad day or when I'm having a good day and I just want to be grateful for, for all the wonderful things that I have. So, so I wrote that song because it was all those things like God in a robe or, you know, like if you use the Lord's name in vain, you're going to go to hell, like all these weird things. And I'm just like, "Mm, I don't know about any of that. And all that stuff stopped me from believing in God. And so that's what that song's about, which is like, well, I can believe in any version of God that I want, really, um, as long as it allows me to believe in God. And and this some of this stuff disallowed me from believing in it. So, and at the end of the day, like this idea that God was going to like, especially when you become when you become a parent, you realize how much you love your kids, and no matter how much your kids piss you off, you know when they do some fucked up shit you're not going to, you know, you want to discipline them to put them on the right path, but you don't want to like punish your kids forever. You know what I mean? So uh, the idea of that just didn't make any sense. And the idea that God made me, made the world and loves me and cares about me, um, that idea I found very appealing. And so that's why I wrote that song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in listening to this song, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine, well, I can't imagine people being offended by it, but I, I take it as, you know, God, God's a cool dude. He's the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with. So it's, it's, it's nice. It's really a sweet song about God. Well, here's what I choose to look at it that way. I, yeah, this, is, this is, owner. well, the way I look at it is like, if I'm God and there's somebody on earth writing a song about me telling like, and one of the lines in the song is like, God having a big dick. I'm like, I'll, <laughs> That guy's going to heaven. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I've got a, I'm, I'm giving him a good room here at Hotel yeah, Heaven. Uh, sure, you know. So that's the way I look at yeah. it. But other yeah, people are like, "Hey, man, that's blasphemous or whatever." I don't know. You know. Yeah. No. Nobody. Nobody's ever gotten offended for b- being told they had a big dick. So no. it's, it's not. You know, it's not an insult. Yeah. I feel like Unless I'm good. Like I'm, I feel like I'm good with God. But you know, other people be like, "I don't know, Bobby." I don't know. Well, man. The, you know, those are some up uptight Catholics who probably have issue with it. Mm. Um, I, I think it's a sweet song. I think if you just look at it with a different perspective, it's pretty sweet. Well, I, I appreciate I, I appreciate you feeling that way. I do like that song. Like I said, I just I'm a I I don't know I I really you know when people come see me play, I really my my goal is to not make anybody feel uncomfortable. My goal is to either make people laugh or make people cry, but just forget about their whatever's going on in their life for for an hour and a half or ninety minutes mm-hmm. and just have a good time and escape and or relate or just have some feelings. but the last thing I want to do is 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 make somebody feel uncomfortable so Sure. I think that song, most people are fine with it. There are a few people that would find that song uh, tough to listen to. And so that's probably why I don't play. And and I've gotten so, I have so many songs that are as as good as that song. So that's the other reason. It's like, well, which songs am I going to play that people know? Which, which, because I like playing new songs all the time too, so. Every, every show I've ever been at, you do you do at least two three songs I've never heard. It's incredible. But can can I ask you about one more song and then then we'll let you go? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So changing your mind, right? Remember the first time I heard that song? Like that. That's just that's a heartbreaker and just tears you up inside. Like you have the you have this way of just like digging, digging in deep and 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 getting getting a man, breaking a man down. Because I could really relate to that song. But then you come to the end of the song and you end it, you know, with a story about a werewolf soaking in the rain and sharing a beer with him. And it just throws you for a loop. What, what is that about? And um, did, did you intentionally try to throw the audience for a loop? Or were you just trying to lighten the mood of the song? Or, or what's happening there? Or were you high? <laughs> or were you high? Well, I definitely wasn't high. Like I said, I, I've been yeah. sober for a long time. <laughs> and congrats but, on that, by the way. Thanks. But I do like songs that change. Like I do like songs that maybe they start out and they're they're funny, but then all of a sudden they become really sweet. And or are songs where they're one thing like that song's real sad and then at the end it kind of there's some levity there at the end even though sure what's is. really going on there at the end of that song even though it's kind of funny that this guy is sees a werewolf outside of his house. But really at the end of the song, what he's really saying is like, I'm going to go hang out with this werewolf. That's going to kill me. It's a real dark ending. Like it's funny, but Mm. it's fucked up. Like if you really break it down, uh, he's going to go give this werewolf a beer. Is that a good idea? That's not a good idea. <laughs> Best idea is to stay inside, hope this motherfucker doesn't break through your window, and hope that tomorrow night there's no full fucking moon. That's the way I look at it. So that that yeah. song is a that is a really dark song, and and I wrote that song because I went through a divorce, which is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. Like I've I've I'm a blessed person, oh, in that I've, your I've mind like okay. I've had a. I've had a I've had a wonderful life, but that divorce was really the hardest thing I've ever had to go through, and, and I got a good song out of it, thank God. But um, yeah, uh, that again, that was a big event that happened over the course of years. I mean, I don't I don't know if you guys have dealt with divorce. I hope not, because it sucks. No, it's not fun. Uh, but you know, it, give me give me a couple of hours. I'll let you know how. You know, how <laughs> I'll check. I'll check back in shortly. I know, man. It's no yeah. joke. Marriage is no yeah. joke. Like it's no. It is a hard thing. I, I have a new song called. Um, it's called American Jesus, just because there's a line in there that, where the where the singer saying "I can't be your American Jesus," which is a reference to uh, a Walt Whitman uh, "Leaves of Grass" when he wrote that uh, poetry book. Um, people were referring to him as as like a, the American. Messiah or the American Jesus of poetry or something. I just thought it was an interesting uh, phrase, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but that that song is just about being in a long term relationship because we live in a society that tells us, oh, you you find the person that you love, you fall in love, you guys are getting along, and then you get married and you live happily ever after, and that is not true. What's true no, is not, you, not even you, close. you marry somebody, you fall in love, they become a real person, you become a real person in their eyes, and then the real work starts, and then you start having kids, and that's really hard, and that really changes your relationship. And if you can keep it going year after year, that's really, I mean, if, if I am able to make this really, my, you know, I'm remarried. If I could stay married for the rest of my life, that will be 
in my eyes, the biggest achievement of my life, for sure. Sure. I think that, no. and I think it's an important one. And I think in the society that we live in now, it's, you know, people are just like, oh, if you're not happy, you should get a divorce. No, you're still going to be unhappy uh, divorced as you are, you know, working on your marriage. So I'm always, anybody who starts breaking, you know, like have, starts having problems, I'm like, figure it out, work it out, because it's, it's not yeah. going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a theory in marriage, and it's called the 80-20 rule. And the thing is, is what you do is the woman or the wife has to win 80% of the times. And the guys have to be fine with her winning 80% of the time. The guys win 20% of the time, and that's, that's ideal. The problem occurs when the women begin to look at their 80% and 181, and then they dig into your 20. If you let her dig into your 20, the marriage is over. That's the whole. That's the whole principle. Eighty twenty. If she wins eighty percent, great. If you win twenty percent, that's great too. You, I, I, I didn't trademark that. You can use that if you want. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if I agree or if I don't agree. I'm like eighty twenty does you. sound. It does sound about right though to me. It's now reasonable, that I'm thinking right? About, I well, I don't know if it's not reasonable. That's for sure. It should be fifty <laughs> fucking fifty. That's reasonable. Eighty twenty no, is not, not reasonable. Fifth, Fifty-fifty yeah. is not realistic. Though. Exactly. It, so you take your twenty percent, and the problem is, is that women oftentimes, and I'm not women bashing today, but women oftentimes a little bit, yeah, a little bit, will look at eighty percent. And you see, guys are different because guys will say, "Hey, I got eighty percent. I'm content." Women will say, "Well, why don't I have eighty-one? And so that's the struggle. You keep your twenty percent, and your twenty percent could be video games, smoking weed with the guys, bowling, whatever you're into, archery. I don't know why you'd be into archery, but any of that, if she digs into that, then that's where the, the wedding ex- or the marriage explodes. Right. Right. My thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, relationships is, is two people wanting to be in the relationship and, uh, and then, and then, and then working towards that. And and if you just have one person working towards that end, it's going to fail. Um, right. And uh, and it's it's about communication, which is a hard sure. thing to do, especially in the long term, because you you figure out what your wife or your husband wants to hear. You know that if you say this thing, that they're going to get upset. But if that truth is that thing, you got to be able to like say the truthful thing. You got to be able to hear the truthful thing, which is tough. I mean, my wife tells me all the time, she's like, oh, that guy's so good looking. And I'm like, do I really want to hear that? No. (laughs) Does it hurt my feelings? Yes. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, I'd rather she tell me that thing that's hard for me to hear. And then we're having a relationship where she's being honest and she's telling me how she's feeling. And, sure. uh, and yeah. then we're, and then we're closer and connected. So, and, and, and I got yeah, I mean, to hear her say stuff like, Hey, I don't, I don't know if I want to be in this relationship. And that's yeah. a hard thing to hear too, because, but that's the way you feel. Sometimes you don't want to be in the relationship. Sometimes that's just a reality. Yeah. I mean, your wife is obviously into beautiful men. She married you. So you can't expect <laughs> her to never, to Damn. never like look at another man again like she's into she's into good looking men right so that's an unrealistic expectation now i understand why those guys were trying to trying to have sex with you in uh, austin <laughs> if you guys want to talk offline <laughs> you're such a charmer you're, you're more than welcome to yeah 
So, um, hey, do you have anything you want to promote, or when are you going to be in L.A. next time? I don't know when. I mean, I'm I'm in L.A. at least twice a year, so uh, I do want to promote. I've got a new podcast. It's called I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay that I do with this guy, Clint Wells. And I also have another podcast called the uh, Bob Schneider Song Club. So uh, if you want to hear uh, people babble on, uh, those are both available at, at wherever you get uh, your podcasts. All right. Very good. We will check those out. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Bob, thank you for joining us. It's 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 such a get to actually get you. We like we're trying to be very cool right now, but when we found out you were coming, we kind of freaked out a little bit. But we we've, we've since corrected ourselves, and you and Matt are going to talk offline about sex in Austin, or whatever. <laughs> so we've re, we have a relationship now, and um, don't know if it's healthy or anything like that. But it's something to grow on, and I'm just going to go ahead and ask for some tickets when you're in LA. I'm just go ahead and make that ask right now. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Yeah, I, you know, because I feel comfortable. I'll with pay that. for my tickets, Bob. No, no, no I, want, I want freebies, Sorry. and I, I want to hang out with the accordion There's player. No, nothing, nothing's <laughs> free in this life. But I, I was, I, I, I had a, I had a great time uh, hanging out with you guys as well. So. Uh, Let's do it again sometime. All right, Bob. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, you're, Bob. You're welcome. Thanks, you guys. All right. All right. Later. Take care. All right. And I think we have uh, come to the end of this show. Uh, the Dad Presents episode number 10. Um, awesome. Bob guest. Schneider. Got Bob Schneider. Love that on guy. The show. Great Love music. And so willing to talk to us about just about everything. I hope we can get him back at some that point. That motherfucker. Yeah. Let's, I think we can call him that. He did not agree to the free tickets, though. I, I wanted to point that out. What a mooch, man. Yeah, no, I'm trying to get kind of ho- Yeah, come on, dude. You're you know, doing your people wrong. You know, people just don't value my friendship. Anyway, where are we at? <laughs> where are Facebook we at? Facebook.com slash the dad presents, Twitter at the dad presents, Instagram as well. Awesome. All right, you guys, take care of yourselves, take care of your kids, take care of your family. We're going to see you guys next week. Like, follow, and rate us, guys. Thank you. God in Italian shoes With a beard and a gun And a case of the blues Smoking a cigarette And drinking coarse light Tea so wide That the light of the night And I can't What can't be said
It's my friend.